Welcome back to True Patriot Ministries. I'm Chris Algramson. Thank you for joining me today. Now, as I've I've attempted to go through this message a couple of times now, uh, you know what? I, I'm just going to take a minute and speak with you. Um, the message today is, why should I hold my tongue? And it does. It plays off of ministry shorts. Uh, I think it was number 28, which was last Wednesday, which is... Uh, casting down imaginations, right? And it was a great little podcast. If you haven't heard it, go back and listen to it. Or if you haven't seen it, go back and watch it. Uh, and FYI, we are now on Roku. You can go to the channel store and find us. Just search for True Patriot Ministries. And uh, if you don't like Roku, uh, I'm not on Amazon yet. So I, I apologize for that. But that's coming in the future. I'm just trying to master one thing at a time here. And so uh, Vimeo, you can go on Vimeo and do a search for Chris Halgrimson. You'll find my videos that way. And then, of course, the podcasts. Uh, you can go to any of your favorite podcast app and just look for True Patriot Ministries and, and you'll find us. And uh, we're over 75 episodes strong, over 2,000 downloads at this point. And then video has, you guys have amazed me with how much video you are enjoying. And uh, so I'm really pleased with, with your participation on that. And I thank you for it. So for my heart today, you know, why should I hold my tongue? Uh, quite honestly, you know, and we can go in, I've got the scripture and maybe I get into the scripture here in a little bit, but you know, the scripture says it, it, we put a bridle in a horse's mouth and we can turn them whichever way we want, right? We uh, we take the rudder of a big ship and, and we the huge cargo ships and all of that, they've got this little rudder in comparison in size. And, and so we can control the direction of the big ships via that little rudder. And, and the tongue is that rudder to us. That tongue is uh, the bit in the bridle for us. And uh, if we're not careful about the tongue, we can cause ourselves a lot of hurt and a lot of harm. And it just, it's amazing what can happen when you don't, um, when you don't take control of your tongue. And if, because uh, honestly, take a look at a ship. If you let a ship, if you let go of the rudder on a ship and it's running 10, 12, 13 knots, whatever it is, uh, and you've got currents, you've got waves, you got all of this, tides, all of these variables, even to the point where if it's got twin props and one has just a slight more thrust than the other, and you let go of the rudder, it's going to go wherever it wants to go. And it's going to be, uh, it's not going to make any sense. You know, it's definitely not going to be where you want it to go. Now, with a horse, it's the same thing. Anybody who's ridden a horse, if a, if, if a horse, if your reins are slack and a horse gets the bit in his teeth, okay, and he bites down on that bit and he takes control of the bit, you have now lost control of the horse. And that horse is going to go where he wants, as fast as he wants, and through whatever he wants. And uh, most horses will take the rider and just run them through a bunch of trees or jump a fence with them, whatever it is, and, and 
you know, pretty soon they're right of us. And so the tongue is the same way. If we don't take control of the tongue, it's the same as letting the ship have its own rudder or having uh, the horse bite down on the, on the bit and taking control. And, and that tongue will get us in a whole lot of trouble really quick. Uh, people are impressed with how fast a Tesla can go from zero to 60. Trust me, I'm more impressed with how fast your tongue can get your butt in a lot of hot water. It's a lot quicker than a Tesla. Let me tell you, I've been there. I've done it. And uh, praise God, I have slowed down on that quite a lot. And it's only when I'm not paying attention, when I'm not focused on what I'm doing or saying and uh, something happens and it can slip. If I if I let my guard down, boy, that tongue is quick. It will lash out. It will say something goofy. And, and the next thing you know, I'm looking at somebody and they're looking at me and I'm going, oh, that wasn't good. And uh, or I didn't mean that. Or where did that come from? But the damage is already done because the other person is not in me understanding that, you know, my spirit didn't say that. But that I loosed focus and uh, the horse took the bit in his mouth and took off running. And, and so we got to pay attention to that. We got to take control. Now, Jesus told the Pharisees that, you know, they were giving him trouble about his, his men, his disciples, not washing their hands before they, they drank or before they ate. Right. And, uh, and he, he chewed them. He chewed them pretty good. He says, look, basically called them fools and said, look, it's not what's on the outside that's dangerous to man. It's not what's on the outside that comes out of a man. It's what's on the inside that comes out of a man. It's what's in the heart. And so it's not, it's not what's outside that cup that is going to make you sick. It's what's inside it. Because if that cup is not clean on the inside, then there's all kinds of bacteria and junk in there. And every time you use it, you're increasing your odds of making yourself ill, right? Well, that's what Jesus was saying. Look, it's what you see. It's what you hear. It's what you uh, allow to manifest with your, your senses, right? That gets into your heart, into your spirit. And, and so when you, uh, when you speak, that's what comes out of your mouth. Right. That's what, what's in the heart. So if we're watching trash, I mean, there's a an old phrase, uh, garbage in, garbage out. And and that's exactly true. You know, in the computer computer world, uh, they say what you see is what you get. And that's true, too. So garbage in, garbage out. If you're putting garbage in, guys, there's nothing else in there to come out but garbage. And so we have to pay attention to that. We have to be sincere. Now, as a believer, who that's who I'm speaking to here, right? Believers. We should be in the Word of God on a daily basis. We should be fellowshipping with the Lord and having that intimate relationship. Now, everybody starts out at, at different places. But when you come to the Lord, we all start out in the same place. We all start out um, spiritually on our knees, seeking the Father. And 
we come out of that, each one of us is going to have a different experience, a different growth period uh, or growth. I don't want to say this, Lord. Uh, we grow differently, right? Some grow quicker in some areas than others, and some grow quicker in those areas than they did. And so, but the one thing is we want to make sure that we're growing. That's what's so important. And so how do we change what's in our heart? We change it, one, by knowing that we're responsible for what our tongue does. Just because the rudder did it doesn't mean you weren't responsible for where the rudder was. Got it? Just because the horse bit down on the bit and took off doesn't mean you weren't responsible for keeping the reins taut enough to keep the bit where it belonged so he couldn't bite down on it. Okay, same with the tongue. Just because you let it go doesn't mean that it's um, not your responsibility. And and so, the, and there's the, the whole seed time and harvest part of it, and we'll cover that in a few minutes because that's important too. But I just want you to see, and I hear a lot of times I'll hear people say, hey, I just speak what's on my mind. Uh, and I used to say it. I'm, I'm typically a pretty direct person. Um, I like to keep things simple and direct. It, it saves confusion. I don't need a lot of large words to get my point across. I don't need a lot of large words to impress people. I, personally, I'm not truly concerned with impressing anybody. Um, I'm concerned with being effective. Am I effective for God? Am I effective for my household? Am I effective for the work I do? Am I effective in the things that I do? That's that's more of a concern to me than, you know, am I impressing somebody with what I'm doing? Am I impressing somebody with how I speak or or even on video, my presentation? Am I, am I impressing anybody? No. Um, even the books that are here behind me, it's not to impress you with what I have. But it's my hope is it if you're looking at the books behind me, you're looking at the titles and going, oh, maybe I ought to read that one. Oh, maybe I'd like to read that one. Oh, I've read that one and I don't like it. Right? But it gives you an idea. It's it's the same, and I'm getting off on a tangent here, and I'll bring it right back in. Again, well, let's call it pers- uh, our five physical senses. So reading is one of them, right? And so I tend to, to read a lot of, I don't want to say a lot of different authors. I've got fairly selective on uh, spiritual authors. But when I'm reading an author that I know and that I trust, say if I'm reading Kenneth E. Hagan, okay, and he mentioned somebody that he read, well, then I can put two and two together and say, okay, I trust Kenneth E. Hagan and he trusted this guy. So I'll put him on my want list. And if I ever run across one of his books, I'll pick it up and see if I like that author. Okay, and there are so, so many authors that are are really good. And and so I have books and I'm fairly selective. Now, people do give me books and and they end up on my bookshelf. Um, So don't don't look at everything on my bookshelf and go, okay, he likes 
Oh, he likes that person? Really? No, I may or may not. You don't know. But it's there. It's on display because no one man or no one woman is is the end all, right? Um, maybe you read, like I read Kenneth E. Hagan, and he mentioned another person, and he mentioned another person. And I'm telling you, my library is growing, and the people, I'll read through them, and the ones that I really, really cherish, uh, they stay on my desk. They, they, they truly do. They're really, I mean, the ones that I will pull from all the time, they're close to me on my desk. Oral Roberts, Kenneth E. Hagan, uh, Lester Semerall, Happy Caldwell, glory to God, E.W. Kenyon. I mean, these guys, Billy Brim, um, Kenneth Copeland. There's so many, and, and that's just a handful of them. Uh, Kenneth Wiest, uh, and, and those are, are more technical Greek to English, you know, helps. And then, of course, I have several different uh, versions of the Word of God. But these are at my fingertips so that when I'm when I'm doing things, I can pull them out and I can go as deep as I want to go and uh, and I can get different references. Right. So I said that all that to say that, you know, just be aware of what you're putting in front of you. Um, I used to read Lewis Lamore, um, Zane Gray and and then. I kind of got away from them for a while and I was reading Clive Cussler and Tom Clancy. Right. And, and I enjoyed them. There was nothing wrong with those books, but they weren't bringing me any closer to God. And so my prioritizing them over the word of God took me away from, right. It became a hindrance to my relationship with the Lord. Now, it's okay. The one thing I will say about reading and watching and, and, and honestly, television now has just gotten so utterly ridiculous at what they allow um, and how they've adjusted the ratings that uh, <laughs> it's a, it's not good. It, it really is not good. So if, and, and back in the day for me, back in the day growing up, it used to be, if you saw a man getting angry with his wife, it was either alcohol or it was uh, testosterone or steroids, right? Because me growing up, that's what was around us. You either had people, men who were drinking too much alcohol, or you had men who were taking too many um, supplements, I don't know what you want to call them enhancers uh, and going to the gym and working out and, and you know, they, it would be great for in the gym, but it wasn't great for their relationships. It wasn't great for that fellowship, that intimate fellowship that they should have been having with their loved one. And so now it's gotten into, and I'm sure those things still exist and, and it's still an issue, but now we've gotten so much, out of Hollywood that is so perverted, so twisted, so corrupted that I, I just don't see how people watch regular television uh, without coming away feeling toxic because some of the stuff, even the cartoons these days, um, 
it's just short of slapping God in the face. I mean, it just amazes me at what passes for entertainment on television uh, and at the movie theaters when you go searching. So like, I, I like to do voodoo. I like to watch um, the Roku channel, but I'm selective. And so, you know, things that don't, that don't supply what I, I want to watch. I just, I don't pay attention to them. So, you know, I really don't have Netflix. I don't have um, any of those other subscription services like that. I just do the Roku channel. I think Acorn is one of them, which is a British channel. And I like to go back and watch all the British uh, detective shows, you know, and which are much cleaner than the new detective shows. But I say all that to say, you know, we're watching these things and we're putting these things. So we see men being violent to men. We see men being violent to women. We see men being violent to children. Okay. And we're putting these things in us. We see one race striving to conquer another race. We see uh, retribution. We see judgment. We see all these things. And then we get confused. Well, what's, what's reality? Is it what they're selling us on TV? Is it what the news channels are selling to us? Which is, I mean, 99% of what the news channels sell right now is, is propaganda. It's all political junk. Um, it's somebody's agenda. And uh, it's a shame. I mean, television today has just gotten so out of control. And so we just choose not to. But see, we're being selective about what we allow to come in, right? What we see and what we hear. And it's important. So we watch a lot more ministry because there is so much toxic in the world uh, we just feel like we need to watch more ministry and that kind of thing. And so that allows things to come out of our heart that don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, you know, a lot of people go around, oh, you're a do-gooder, you're this, you're that, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's not about that, guys. It's here. Here's what it's about. Do you love God? Do you love God? Do you know him? Are you willing to invest in a personal fellowship, an intimate fellowship with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit? Are you willing to put him first so that he can put you first? So that he can give to you the things that he desires to give to you. And, and, and so we need to look at that. That's what it comes down to. Do you love him? Do you really love God? And if you question it, here's what I'm going to tell you. Get into the word. Get tied into a good ministry, a good church. Grow. If you need help growing, reach out. Reach out to a mature believer who's got a good head on their shoulders and can help you grow. And that may be a pastor, it may be an elder, it may be a deacon, it may be an associate pastor. Uh, 
a spiritual father, a father in the faith, however you want to say it. It, it may be a brother or a sister in the Lord that you trust and you know, but reach out to him. Look, there is so much more for you in God than what you have a clue about. And if you're mature in Christ, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. The joy of the Lord is just amazing. When you get into a service or you get into a group of people and you can communicate to one another and you can share the Lord with one another or you hear, you know, a great worship service um, and you begin praising and worshiping the Lord together or even praying together. Okay, the Holy Spirit gets to moving. The presence of God is there and it is so overwhelming. And and as I alluded to in another video, you know, you'll have people who fall out. You'll have people who dance for joy. You'll have people who will break out and praise and worship. You'll have people take off running. Okay, Uh, you'll have people stand in tears and just ever so thankful and humble. Right. But it's because the love of God, the presence of God is there and it overwhelms. And, uh, and it's just something that there's a fire down in you. If you've received Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've got a fire in your belly. Okay. It may, maybe it's just a little flicker or maybe it's full blown fire somewhere in between the word of God, the word of God, getting into the Bible and reading the word of God will increase that. It will grow you. The Word of God, the first time I went through the Bible, I was in basic training. I understood very little of it. All right. Now, as uh, you may not know, I was baptized Catholic um, as a teenager. I was in a Catholic school. It's kind of what you did. It's what I did. I got baptized. Didn't understand much of it. Actually, I don't think I understood any of it other than being embarrassed because I was up in the front and, you know, and I don't like to be in the front, um, which puts me totally out of my comfort zone when I'm in front of a camera, right? Because I'm in the front. Uh, but glory to God. You know what? It's not about me. It's about God's message for you. And that's what allows me to be here in front of you because it's not about me. I can be the goofiest person you've ever known, okay? But if I'm up here talking to you about God, I got the Holy Spirit. He's going to help me. He's going to lead me and guide me in speaking to you. And really, I think mostly what he wants you to understand, why should you hold your tongue? You should hold your tongue because you love the Lord your God and you don't want to grieve him. That's the biggest part right there, okay? Why? Uh, why should I put God first? Because you love him. What did Jesus tell us? Right? Jesus said, hey, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Okay? And upon these commandments, hang all the other commandments. All right? He didn't come to... And that's what he told us. He didn't come to remove the law. He came to fulfill the law. And and he gave us that, right? 
and he gave us the victory. So why would we squander all these things that he's given us? And I'm not even scraping the surface on what he's given us. Glory to God. There are so, so many things that he's given us. Holding our tongue is just one of the things he asks us to do. And you know, here's what I want you to understand. He's asking you to do it. He's not commanding you to do it. He's not saying you will, period. Like we like to do with our kids, you know, sometimes we get frustrated with them and we'll say to our child, you know, no, you will do this or else. And and God's a gentleman. I mean, he's given us a new covenant. He gave us the gift of his son. He gave us the example of his son. And uh, honestly, for what he's done and what he's given us, he asked very little of us. And so uh, my last Why Should I series or episode, I should say, is, is why should I be obedient? And again, it goes straight to that. Why should I hold my tongue? Because you love God and you don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. Because you want to advance, you want to grow, you want to have that intimate fellowship. You see the value in it. You see the value in yourself. And why do you see the value in yourself? Because he showed it to you. Because he first found you worthy. Even when you thought, you are not worthy, period. That there's nothing you could do. There's you, you look at yourself in the mirror and you say, my God, my God, what am I going to do? I'm not even worthy of you. And God says, hey, I got it covered. I sent my son. And he made you worthy. And that was a gift. There's no requirements. The only thing you got to do is receiving. So Jesus came and he made us worthy. He purchased us. Okay. And maybe uh, I live in cattle country. I'm in Kansas. So, you know, between farming and cattle, uh, we're surrounded. And uh, there's no problem with that. I enjoy it. But maybe we, we look at ourselves in the mirror and we see the most weak, thin, malnourished herd of cattle uh, we've ever seen. And God looks at us and he sees us as the fattened calf, the healthy, the nourished up. He sees us through the eyes of Jesus And he sees us worthy. He sees us as the pearl of great price. He sees us uh, with immense value. And and uh, he's just waiting on us to look through Jesus' eyes at ourselves and say, oh my gosh. And so as we grow in the Lord, we're going to see more of Jesus in us and less of the world in us. And that's a good thing. Um, Don't let being a disciple scare you. 
Don't let it intimidate you. You know how becoming a disciple works? It works the same as anything else you learn. It comes one day at a time, one page at a time, one conversation at a time, and one lesson at a time. All right? And there's no there's no time limit. Okay? This isn't like uh, going to school and you're in the fifth grade and they tell you, hey, we're coming up on the end of the semester. And if you don't, if you don't raise your grades by the end of the semester, we're going to see you in this grade next year. That's, that's not, that's not how it works. There's no time limit. There's no set pattern, right? Outside of, he expects you to become one. And he's going to equip you. He's going to surround you with every resource necessary to do it. Just don't forget he's involved in it. So make sure you've got him involved in it. Um, there are a lot of good schools that will help you, whether you want to go in for a degree or not. Um, I wanted to brush up on some things. So I'm taking a, a, what do you call it, a certificate course through Oral Roberts University, and I'm enjoying it. I'm brushing up on things. Am I learning things? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm learning stuff. And that, that excites me because as I learn, right, as I grow, I become closer to God. That intimate fellowship with him becomes stronger and stronger. And so when I turn and I speak to a stranger, or I turn and I speak to a friend or a brother in Christ. What comes out of my mouth is what's in my heart. And what's in my heart is God. It's Jesus. And it's your salvation. It's their salvation. And uh, it's the body of Christ. It, it just is so good. And I want you to know and understand, look, the man is threefold. You've got spirit, soul, and body. Okay? Your spirit man is the one that's in charge. When you're, when you're born again, that's what's reborn that's what's created new. You are a new creation. That's your spirit. Okay. And that takes place so that you can communicate directly with the father. There's no impediment anymore. Sin and death has been removed. Okay. They're a roadblock to God. They've been removed. And so that's vital. And, and uh, if you didn't know that, I want you to know that. So your spirit man, that's the vertical. Here's the vertical alignment for your, for you spiritually. Okay. In this world, it's your spirit man, your soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions, and then your body. And we never want to let that get out of alignment. When it gets out of alignment, bad things happen. Goofy things happen. Okay. And so we want to keep that correct. When that gets out of alignment, your tongue is let loose, right? It's like taking your hand off the rudder and you just don't know where you're going to end up and you don't realize how quickly you can end up there. And so it's important to keep track of that. Now, vertical alignment, as far as God is concerned, it's God first, then your spouse, then your children. I'll go over that really quick. He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. He wants to be numero uno in your life. He wants to be number one because 
He has all the resources. He has all the answers, all the information. God's got all the knowledge, the wisdom, the the understanding. He's got the visions, the dreams, the revelations, right? They're spiritual. They come from him. He's got them. That's why he wants to be number one, because he can help you before you even get into a situation. Instead of allowing ourselves to be number one, and then getting into a situation, and we saw Israel do this all the way through the Old Testament, right? I mean, off and on, they did it many, many times. And he loves them. They're his children. So don't look down on them. Just know that if if his chosen children, right? If his chosen lineage, the Israels, or Israel, uh, can have so much difficulty, then we can too. We're not, um, how do I want to say, it, it, we're not such that it's not going to happen to us because it's possible it can happen to us, and it will, you know. But just know that he's the one that has all the, the resources. So we don't want to wait until, you know, well, I'm going to do what I want to do, and then all of a sudden I'm looking back and going, wow, I did what I wanted to do, and now I'm in trouble right? Now I'm in a predicament. Now I'm short of money or this is broken or that's broken or, uh, you know, my job is gone or whatever it is, right? Now I'm in a predicament. When, if we put God first and, and we're walking with God, he can let us know, hey, look, uh, there's a pothole coming up and I want you to go to the right just a little bit to go around it. Right. And if you've been in a Walmart parking lot lately, there are some potholes or chuck holes. I don't know what you want to call it because I think you could lose Chuck in one of them holes. Um, so you get my drift though. If we put God first, he's the man with all, he's the one with all the resources. He's the one with all the power, the strength, the vision, uh, the know it all. And, And if we just tap into him, and we keep sin out of our way, right? Which simply means that if we do something goofy that grieves the Holy Spirit, if we do something sinful, repent. Hit your knees, confess. Don't have to be right out in front of everybody. Um, but confess, right? Ask for forgiveness. He's quick to forgive. And he forgets. He's not keeping a notepad full of things that you did that you asked for forgiveness. And you asked for forgiveness and it's like that never existed. Come on. That doesn't give you the right to go out and do a bunch of stuff. Um, but that you get the gist. So, glory to God, just know he loves you. He's there. He wants to be first in your life. And so that's why you want him first. Okay? So he can help you. You can't help God unless you allow him into your life and allow him to be first so he can first help you. It's like loving him. We can't love him uh, because we want to, but we can love him because he first loved us, right? And he redeemed us. We didn't do that. He did it. And so God's first, then your spouse. Okay, real quickly, you know, and you'll find the verses that I'm covering 
in the post. Just go to truepatriotministries.org to the blog page. The notes will be there. You'll see it. You'll hear it. Um, and you'll understand what I'm talking about. But uh, in Scripture, he says, look, man and woman come together. They become one flesh. And no one is to pull that apart, right? And so we become one flesh. That's why your spouse is second, okay? God first, spouse second. Because you two came together in God's eyes and became one, and it can't be divided. Now, your children are next, and, and the thing I'll say about this is experience has shown that when the children leave the roost, and I've seen this happen with couples who have been married for decades, okay? You figure it takes at least 20 years for a kid to leave the roost, right? So we're talking people have been married at least two decades, a lot of them three, four, and five decades. And all of a sudden, they're divorced. Why? Because they allowed their children to take the number two spot and they forsook their spouse. They divided their own flesh and they fell. And so we need to make sure that our spouses, that our marriages are solid. Those marriages, we cannot forsake our spouse for the sake of our children. All right. If you don't have your one flesh, okay, and this goes back to caring for yourself. If you're not taking care of yourself, you cannot care for anybody else. It's the same. If you are now one flesh, that's your marriage, okay? That's your commitment to one another. That's your your bond, your intimate fellowship with one another. If you don't take care of that first, before your kids, there won't be anything for your kids. Do you understand? There won't be anything for your kids. You can leave them everything you want to in this world, but that doesn't do them any good. God designed it to be that one flesh, to be the example, to raise up those kids. Now, I'm not perfect. Trust me. I've been down that road. I've had that issue. Okay, and and uh, we have way too many. I've learned from experience um, and I didn't break it soon enough. I didn't understand. I didn't know. Okay, Um, I came to Christ later in life, even though I was baptized Catholic. It it didn't it, it didn't mean anything to me. Right. I mean, come on. I was in my early 20s before I read the Bible the first time. And uh, that was basic training and helped me get through basic. But then it went on the shelf and life happened, right? And so then I come to the Lord later in life. And uh, after many experiences that the Lord could have helped me through and would have been glad to help me through. And so I can tell you, we have way too many, way too much divorce in this world. And we have... Uh, way too many children who don't have a father in the house and some who don't, way too many who don't have a father in their life at all. Okay. And, and God designed us to have that in our life. 
And so it's important that we we don't allow that vertical alignment to get out of whack. Okay? That we keep God first and then our spouse and then our children. Because if we can keep our fellowship with God healthy and we can keep our fellowship with our spouse healthy, that allows us to keep our fellowship with our children healthy. And when our children depart the house and go on to live life on our own terms, we still have that spouse, that intimate fellowship with our spouse. And so there's no threat of divorce. We're not trying to relearn who our spouse is because we never forgot. Okay. And uh, yeah. And so that's important. Um, Honestly, so vertical alignment, that's a good thing. And then uh, let's talk about the word as seed sown. So the other reason that you want to hold your tongue is sowing seed. And, and let's just take this in plain terms. If I'm a farmer and I want to grow corn, I need to sow corn. And if I'm a farmer and I sow uh, wheat, I should not expect corn to come up. But what's going to be my harvest, right? If I sow corn, then corn is going to be my harvest. If I sow wheat, wheat is my harvest. So with our tongue, we are sowing the word. Which word are we sowing? Are we sowing words of the world? Or are we sowing God's word? Are we sowing curse? Or are we sowing blessing? And, and this is why it's so important to listen to what's coming out of your mouth. Because you can evaluate what's coming out of your mouth, you can evaluate what's going into your heart by what comes out of your mouth. So if, you know, uh, you have, if sickness and disease is all that comes out of your mouth, then sickness and disease is the harvest you're going to have. If poverty is all that you have come out of your mouth. I can't afford this. I can't afford that. I could never do that. I could never have that. I could never afford that. Um, I don't know where I'm going to get the money to pay my next bills. If poverty, broke-mindedness is coming out of your mouth, then that's the harvest you're going to reap. If cruelty or bitterness or hate is what comes out of your mouth. It's the harvest that you're going to reap. And we got enough of that in this world. So it's important that we pay attention to what we're selling. But you know what? If you're sowing the love of God into other people, if you're sowing Jesus into others, if you're sowing kindness and love and joy, peace, hope, faith, uh, glory to God. If you're sowing these things into others, then what are you going to reap, right? If you're sowing healthy marriages into others, if you're sowing a healthy fellowship with God the Father into others, if you're sowing a healthy fellowship with people's children, right? If you're sowing into that, if you're speaking into somebody's life about their relationship with their kids, 
teachers, if you're sowing into children, you need to know what you're sowing. And if you don't believe it, don't sow it. Your job's not worth it. Okay? That job can quickly be replaced by God with a job of value. Don't sow what you don't believe. If you don't want it in your life, don't sow it into somebody else's life. So if every time you see Joe and, oh, Joe, he's such an alcoholic. Then what are you sowing into Joe's life? Right? It's not good. You're sowing cursing into his life. That's not what you want to do. But if you turn around and you see, every time you see Joe, you go, Lord, just bless him, Lord. Help him with that. I know I know he doesn't want to be that way. Maybe he just doesn't know any different, Lord. Just surround him with your godly wisdom. Surround him with your helps. Father, make a change in his heart. Help him. May he come to know Jesus Christ. Or if he knows Jesus, may he have a better relationship. Sow a blessing into a person's life. It goes for people who follow other religions, you know. I mean, if don't curse them. Bless them. Seek that opportunity, that crack, that crevice. Look, the devil, the devil comes to you through your mind. All right. And he's gonna use your your uh your mind, your will, and your emotions. He's gonna use your senses. It's the only way he can contact you in this world, all right? Uh, he can't contact you spiritually because we have the victory through Jesus Christ. We've been redeemed from sickness and or from sin and death. And so that was his avenue, right? So he can't connect to us that way anymore. So he comes through the mind. He comes through the emotions. He comes through the five physical senses. And it's our responsibility to shut him off. And we can't. We have the power and the authority to shut him down. Right? And so we have that ability to say something, a blessing over somebody. If he can attack us through our mind and he just needs the most minute crack, right? To get in there and do it. That's why edifying each other and lifting each other and uh, lifting each other up and watching out for each other is so vital. Right, because we can help one another avoid the attacks that he has waiting for us. Well, if he can get in through a crack, so can God. And so that person you see who's suffering from alcohol addiction or drug addiction or sex addiction, whatever it is, food addictions. I mean, there are so many addictions in the world. Uh, we can help those people by saying, Lord, hey, if there's a way in, Lord, take it. Bless them. Uh, put your favor on them, Lord. Find that. Saturate them. Soak them with your love. Soak them with just godly people of godly wisdom. Surround them. Envelop them, Lord. Um, so we can look for that crack. We can find that crack and you can get in there and, and they won't be lost. But we can see them through Jesus Christ being saved. I mean, isn't that, isn't that what we want? 
I mean, it, it's enough already with the, and I'm just as guilty as anybody else, enough already of looking on people and saying, look at them, they're drunk. Look at them, they're a druggie. Uh, wow, look at that person. Wow, look at that person. And and it's it's time enough that we start looking. And and this is something that, that I work with myself a lot. Okay, guys, you have to constantly be aware of yourself. Your heart, your spirit will do it. Just get keen to listening. Okay, the Holy Spirit communicates with your spirit. You're going to know if you're in error, if you're paying attention to the spirit. And so just get keen on listening and, and realizing that you know, you, you don't know, even if that person's in a three piece suit and they look like they got it together, you just don't know. They may need Christ worse than the guy down on the corner who's begging for money. Maybe he already knows Christ. He just hasn't grown enough that this man or this woman, maybe the facade is to keep people thinking that they're successful when deep down inside they are totally lost and they need God. And so pay attention to the seeds you're sowing in your own life and in other people's lives. Glory to God. One thing I want to touch on before I jump off of here, and this has gone long enough, is that, look, God put the Holy Spirit in you, and this, the, one of the forms of the Holy Spirit is fire. And so when we talk about you have a fire in your belly, that's the Holy Spirit, right? And he's in communication with your spirit. And we want to stoke that fire. We want to create an environment that allows that fire to just engulf you. To burn so hot that people around you can't help but catch fire. And I'm not talking, we're not talking literal. We're talking spiritual, okay? Uh, don't do goofy crap. That's not what we're here for. We're here for God. But spiritually, get on fire for the Lord. Revival is, is nothing more than rekindling that fire in a person who has allowed it to get down to maybe an ember, right? But rekindling that fire. But revival's not enough, all right? Revival's just a rekindling. But we need to, to get to the point where we have that fire burning so well and we are constantly feeding it that we can live in a state of being on fire. When you look back at Noah, at Abraham, at uh, so many in, in the Word of God, even in the New Testament, okay? Um, you look at the guys, Peter, Paul, all these guys. They're not perfect, but what they did is they walked with God. Walking with God is keeping your fire stoked for Him, right? And for the things of God. 
And so revival is not enough. We're bringing revival to the Midwest. Okay. They got revival going on down in Texas and you've got Mario Murillo on the West coast, right? Stoking a fire. You got Sean Foyt traveling the country, uh, getting people stoked. And, and you've got all these ministers, uh, you got Eagle Mountain International Church down South. You've got, uh, Faith Life Church in Branson and in Sarasota. You've got Jesse Duplantis traveling the country. You've got, uh, all kinds of people, and I know I'm missing some, but I mean, guys, Mario Morello, if you've not paid attention to what he's doing, he's going into desolate places, and he's throwing up a tent, and he's bringing revival in there. He's bringing people to Christ in there, and 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 people are bringing all their drugs up to the, the, the podium, and they're dropping them, and they're getting saved, and, and he's going into the rough areas. And, and there's another person over on the East Coast doing the same thing. And then you got folks down in Texas doing the same thing. Well, I'm in the Midwest. Folks, we're having revival here, and it's now. All right? And, and we need to come together, and we need to get a tent or a building or a stadium, whatever it is. All right? And we need to come together as the body of Christ, and we need to stoke that fire. We need revival here, and then we need to... Take it back to our churches, our assemblies, and keep that fire going. And so if you're a pastor or a minister in the Midwest, I'm not even going to ask you. I'm going to challenge you. Join in. Join in. We're putting revival on the line here in the Midwest. We're bringing it out. Glory to God. And I don't care if it's in a handful of weeks or if it's in 20 weeks, whatever it is, revival is taking place right here, right now in the state of Kansas, in the, in the Midwest, revival on the plains. All right. So if you're in the Midwest and you're a pastor or a minister, if you've got a congregation, reach out. Everybody should be experiencing revival and we need revival in this land. And we need you pastors and you ministers involved in this because when we go back to our individual assemblies, okay, if the pastor and the minister is not on fire, the congregation is going to go out. Do you understand? So you need to be the one who's on fire. Now we can help each other. Glory to God. And we should. We should be helping one another. I don't care what denomination you are. I, I, I truly don't. Because what matters to me is God. And, and, and I want everybody, all believers, on fire for the Lord. And then take that back to your assembly and, and catch others on fire. Get your whole assembly, your church, whatever denomination you are, catch it on fire. Not for the world. All right. This is a spiritual fire of God through the Holy Spirit. And we need to have it in our buildings. We need to have it in our churches. We need to have it in the body of Christ. And it's going to bring unity because where the spirit is, unity is. All right. And so pastors, ministers, come on, jump in. It's time for you to jump in, catch on fire and take that fire back with you. Glory to God.
Glory to God. We're bringing revival to the Midwest. And it's revival on the prairie. And if you want to be involved in it, reach out to me. All right? Reach out to me. Go to my Connect page. I don't care. Um, message me. And if you want to talk on the phone, just shoot me a message via the Connect page or email. Reach out, R-E-A-C-H-O-U-T, at truepatriotministries.org. Reach out to me. Give me your phone number. I'll fire off a text or give me your email and I'll email you. Uh, we're in communication with a lot of people right now. This is not something that we're praying over. This is not something that that we're hoping for. This is not something that we go, oh my gosh, I hope it happens. No, this is happening. Every single day it's moving forward and it's getting bigger. Don't miss out. Not because I say don't miss out. Don't miss out because if you're a pastor, if you're an under shepherd, you've got a responsibility to your flock to be on fire for the Lord. Not to be a, 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 a red coal glowing in the night, but to be on fire for the Lord so that your people can be on fire for the Lord. So that we can come together in unity and the body of Christ can be on fire for the Lord. And that second coming, it's just around the corner. Glory to God. We are the ones who shape the world we live in. The world doesn't shape us. Reach out to me if you're interested. If you want to partake, if you want to be involved, glory to God, reach out. I've given you the email address. I've given you the website, truepatriotministries.org. Go on there and connect. If you have a favorite way of connecting, let me know when you connect with me. And if it's a way that I can connect with you that works for me and you both, then we will do that. Okay? Like I said, we've already got a group going. We've already got people coming together. Now, we can continue to pray for this revival. All right? But we're no longer just praying. We're in the action mode. We're putting boots to the ground and we're getting things done. So, love you guys. I hope you got something out of this message. Remember, pay attention to your tongue, right? Why should I hold my tongue? Because I love the Lord my God, and I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. That's it. Love you guys. Looking forward to hearing from you. Again, the notes will be on the webpage. Go to the blog section. The notes will be there along with all the scriptures that cover what we talked about today. Um, yeah. God bless.